On the program this week, we have Zach McGill. He's vice president of engineering out at HSI Sensing. So, Zach, good to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, George. I appreciate it. Wanted to talk about a, a couple things, but, uh, you know, a lot of folks know of the company in Chickasha, but uh, uh, you guys operate out there and have been for years and they're really big uh, internationally as far as uh, the products that you provided, the things that you guys do out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've been... Uh, it's, uh Family, family, still family-run company, been in Chickasha. This is actually our 55th year, uh, founded in 1968. And, yeah, as far as international, uh, yeah, about 35 40% of what we make is exported. That's great. And just uh, you make the smallest things out there, and it's just amazing that uh, there could be that, that many uh, applications for, for your products. Yeah, I think especially locally. I mean, the, yeah. you hear the word switch. It's still referred to as hermetic switch um, by a lot of people just over the history. It's HSI sensing um, now, but you, a lot of people still, like I said, say hermetic switch. And you think, what are they making? Switches? Yeah. What are they making? Like light switches or, <laughs> or little flip switches for electronics? And no, we, so it's based around reed switches. Um, it's a device invented, invented in the early 30s to actually replace the switchboard operator. That you know, they used to have to move the cables around, connect the party lines on the telephones. Uh, yeah, yeah, on mm-hmm. the telephones. Yeah. So it was invented to replace that, and then we've just taken that that technology and and really just fine tune it and do a lot of custom applications and shrinking it and shrinking it and oh, shrinking yeah, yeah. it. And- yeah, HSI makes a lot of unique products. So we're the last major reed switch manufacturer in the United States. Um, there's about five, six major players in the world. Uh, most of those uh, will do high volume and not as much specialty. So we're almost like the boutique version. We do uh, lower volumes and then a lot of custom customization. To wor- and we're making a lot of unique reed switches that other companies don't make. So several of those competitors are kind of customer competitors. They'll make 400, 500 million switches a year that are a little bit more vanilla. We'll make 7, 8 million a year just raw reed switches. And they'll buy from us what, what they don't have the capability to make or it's not in, in their specialization and wheelhouse to make. Um, what's your employee staff right now? What's your account? Oh, George, I think last week we were at, um, at HSI, we were at 178. So um, headcount's way up there. We are very, very busy. Um, bookings last year were insane. Uh, bookings this year are are insane again. And you would say bookings? Yeah, bookings, orders. So a lot of times, you know, in the past, we'd run about a six-week lead time. So you could come in as a new customer, George, and say, I need 10,000 switches, and we'd ship them in six weeks. Our lead time now is basically 52 weeks. It's the full year. So with demand going crazy um, and being coming out of COVID, hard to ramp staff up really fast. Uh, lead time stretched out really long to where people just started giving us the whole year. So right now, yeah, as far as bookings or orders the whole calendar year there's maybe a little time in december to fit a little bit more in and that's it and let's talk about some of the products that uh, yeah the, and these are everyday products that uh, yeah. uh, everybody uses almost every day and don't think about those little bitty mechanical things inside that uh, where they come from and what they do yeah absolutely the reed switch itself little electromechanical device um, as you mentioned small we do make the world's smallest reed switch a lot of the really small ones go into implantable medical devices. So it used to be big uh, in hearing aids. All that technology has kind of changed, but we're still a lot of those go into internal defibs, pacemakers, um, neuromodulation. They actually use um, a little board and a circuit to help people that have seizures treat those. They tie it to the brain stem. Uh, 
and then send pulses. They do the same thing for pain management now. And our switch in those devices uh, for the pain management and the um, seizure treatment will be an activation circuit. So if, if the patient is in pain, feeling something coming on, and the circuit doesn't recognize in a dose, they can run a magnet where that's embedded in their body. It'll close our switch and administer a treatment. So, yeah, really, really cool on the medical implantable side. Um, making Definitely it's a good story to tell the employees, like the products are making a difference. Um, but we're kind of known for quality, reliability, um, and high standards. And, it, and so there's a lot of life-impacting things there. Now, is that to, do you actually create and come up with the ideas if somebody needs a certain application for is that you or your we, team? You have a team that does that? or We do have a product development team. So in, in like those medical implantables, we're not making the device that's doing the treatment. We're just one of the major components on there that has a key function. Um, on the sensor side, it gets it's very wide range of product applications. So we've got stuff on fighter jets doing fuel management. We actually make a little sensor that goes in the mask that the pilots wear, even in commercial. If they get cabin pressure loss, they put a mask on. There's a little switch in there that flips their mic off and on. So otherwise, they are breathing in their buddy's ear. Sounds like Darth Vader all day, right? Super annoying. So we actually have a switch that's in those fighter pilot masks and other masks that's turning their mic off and on for them. Um, We got stuff in on the space station, tells you when the antennas and things are locked in place or not locked in place all the way down to um, simple stuff like the lawnmower seat, right? You get off the seat, and then the, in the seat's a magnet. When the magnet moves away from the sensor, the sensor opens. So when you're sitting down, the magnet's close, everything's fine. You get off with it running, it cuts the motor off, right? Okay. That magnet leaves, that sensor breaks that circuit and cuts it off, so it's safety interlock. A uh, lot of stuff in oil and gas and flow control, valves, floats, just telling where fluids are at, which direction they're moving, um, things like that, and then... So it's just a really wide range of applications. And it's amazing that uh, you make that many switches every year, and mm-hmm. uh, they're in big demand. It's just like, uh, it's, it's, it's just amazing that, <laughs> that the d- demand is there for something so small. Yeah, I yeah. think that's part of what makes uh, us unique is that customization on the engineering side. So we don't, we offer stock products, but we're very much not a catalog distribution type company. Um, so we'll take a lot of stock products and then use our knowledge and custom tune it to your application. So George would call us up and say, hey, I need to sense a movement of this or that. When something is coming near this, I have this device, I want to pick up and detect something. And if they need to do it with a, a very reliable technology, we'll base it on a read switch, and then we'll do the magnetic design. We'll tune it to trip at the right distance. We'll figure out the steel around it that's causing a disturbance and all these different factors and just use basically years, uh, decades of product knowledge in kind of our toolbox so that at the end of the day, you walk away with something that works for you. So I, I kind of feel like we deliver on that Oklahoma Midwest kind of friendly, um, want to help everybody, and then we're going to keep working until we get it right. How long does it take to make one switch? Can you narrow it down? Is it is- I mean, one, and one, how difficult is it okay. to do that? I mean, that's that's the depending on the switch, we it can be really difficult uh, to do. Like, you know, ten percent of the people walking around have the the um, dexterity and just the mindset to do work with really small parts and align them very precisely and be able to do that over and over in a repetitive manner and at high quality, high yields. So it takes. 
a little bit of a, a special person. Got to be patient to for do sure, that. I guess. Yeah. yeah. And then it um, it just depends. Some switches, you know, there's we got out of 170 employees, there's 10% that are set and have a skill set that can make that product the way it's made. But then we have a lot that are a lot easier to learn. Where you start, uh, come in new, and in a week you're making some switches. You're not up to proficiency in the high rates, but you're able to make some. So it just kind of depends on the product. And, and you ask, like, how long does one switch take to make? Um, just the ceiling, what we would call that's the part where you're actually putting the things together to make the switch. It's probably on typical, a 30-second cycle. But then after that, you've got all the plating that they did before that to get it ready. You've got glass washing to get the glass and the blades ready. And then you make the switch, and then there's post-operations. Um, so total investment of time in one single switch, probably on the neighborhood of three hours or so. That wouldn't surprise me. That's, yeah. that's, that's interesting. And then what, uh, is there a lot of waste? I know, I know, you there, know, there's got to be some, but and from an engineering yeah. perspective, Georgia's <laughs> way more right. ABM is in a business than we'd like to see. Yeah, and part of that is the nature of the customization that we do. Um, we make a lot of stuff that we know is a really tight range, really tight spec window that you're trying to hit, and by nature, you're going to have some scrap and fallout because of that. Um, and then there are also things that are just related to the way we do it. There's still a lot of labor, a lot of operator interaction. So as we move forward, we're looking for ways to, you know, where can you semi-automate? Um, where can you try to add some consistency from robotics? We're starting to explore all of that as we go. But there's still, because of the unique nature and customization, there's still a lot of art in the operators that we have. There's still a lot of skill uh, in what they do to deliver what we do. Can you recycle any of that? I, I save everything that's valuable, right? We do because we're um, we have electroplating there, a lot of bass. We have to control our own plating on the blades. We use several precious metals. The paper towels they use to wipe that counter are saved and sent off for reclaim. Uh, the scrap that's generated, um, the ones that have the right metals on them, we collect those and send those off periodically. So yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. Over what fifteen hundred products. Yeah, All yeah from, I think that's probably a, the shop here? A, a simple list. Um, wow. There, there's a lot of stuff uh, that we make, and we base that around a core set, but then it just multiplies. I think even the reed switch offerings, I think we're at 40, still offering 40, maybe 50 versions of individual reed switches. And then you take one special reed switch, and we might make 40 sensors based on that one reed switch that are all different or unique in some way. Interesting. Uh and uh, NASCAR, right? Are you in? Uh, I don't know motor motorsports or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, I think we're still in some motorsports. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, we'll be a couple suppliers removed from the application. I don't always know um, what it is. I'm not aware of anything that's in NASCAR right now. I think we are got some sensors in some stuff in Europe that's in uh, auto racing circuit. Definitely have stuff, lots of stuff in aerospace and some stuff in some high end luxury cars like a. The TV on, on a Rolls-Royce on the back headrest when it flips up, we have sensors in there that are activating the circuit and, and weird things like that. But, uh, yeah. That's great. Uh, I love this quote from, uh, from your president, Ryan Posey. It's on the website. It says, uh, looking to reimagine the use of sensor technology every day. I mean, from chemical processing plants, to, you mentioned the fighter jets, mm -hmm. and even pinball machines. Yeah. Didn't know the pinball machines were still around, I guess. So. Yeah, they are. Uh, 
Ryan's dad was kind of the one of the leading technical people at HSI for years uh, until he retired. He loved the pinball applications and those machines, and it was it was a quite a while ago, and it basically the sensor technology at the time wasn't keeping up, so we actually designed a custom steel sensor. So instead of that little pad that would wear out and get sticky, that was when the old pinballs, when they kind of first had them around, they actually made a tiny steel sensor so it would pick up when the ball ran across it without touching anything. It mm-hmm. would just sense that. So yeah, we did pinballs for for quite a while. We don't we don't have any any real pinball volume anymore. No, <laughs> but it's still fun to talk about. And there's uh, we still have chunks of pinball uh, boards and different machines and uh, things out out in the uh, in the product development storage area. Uh, I worked for an arcade back in my college days. And uh, the gentleman I work for uh, has the has a pinball museum in Vegas, and nice. he's got some of the old classics and everything. And he was just a big he was a nerd all the way around, <laughs> and uh, it's really great. Uh, and it was cool to see how that was all together, you know, because I got to clean the machine sometimes yeah. and do some repairs and stuff. So that's uh, that's interesting. So there's a lot of wires uh, and circuitry yeah. on the backside of the boards. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Uh, all right, so you do hazardous location sensors, mm-hmm. so talk about that a little bit because that's that's pretty critical. Yeah, absolutely, and that's something that a lot of people in Oklahoma can relate to. So, you know, you're driving down the road, you see those big pipelines. A lot of times, a lot of us, especially growing up, you'd see those those big valves, a big kind of wheel on them, uh, gate valve. Uh, now most of those are computerized controlled, so they'll have, a, instead of that big valve you'd turn manually, there'll be a little control box right there. Uh, we make several key customers of ours. We make sensors that go inside of those boxes or in those valves to actually determine where that valve is at. So that's really where the where the explosion proof line comes in. So we make, uh, we do make one that's class one div one, that's the highest explosive level environment you can, you can live in, exist in, and then it is explosion proof. And that's something they do at, we used UL, uh, Underwriters Laboratory. It's well-known, long-established kind of certifying body. And we sent an engineer up in there. He got to go watch. They actually have an explosion chamber with a blowout wall. So it's plexi. You can be on the other side of it. So they actually try to inject gas and stuff into it and blow blow it up. But ours uh, ours passed all the tests. You can't blow it up. You can't, can't poke a hole in it. And uh, the explosion doesn't blow up. So it, it keeps that circuit contained so that it does not... Uh, cause any kind of spark or energy discharge in those explosive environments. At, uh, extreme temps too. You've got something yep. for that because a lot of yeah. a lot of equipment can't operate at high high temperatures. We do. We were able to, but the reed switch can handle a lot of temperature on its own and not affect the magnetics um, too much. So then the rest becomes wire design, housing design. So we've got a lot of stuff um, that's rated at 200 C, which puts you nearly at 400 Fahrenheit. Uh, so very hot. And then we've got some cu- custom stuff we've done for like nuclear applications and other stuff that's certified all the way up to 650, 700 degrees. And then uh, high voltage is pretty critical uh, for yeah, and for as we uh, that's a, energy industry and, you know, mm-hmm. the power generators and the PSO and yep. co-ops and things like that, right? So that's something unique we do. Uh, we talked about really small stuff, world's smallest things. We also make uh, a high voltage switch, and it's there to hold off that voltage is the typical application. So you can literally, it's a gap of 
in the in the context, it might be two business cards apart, and that'll hold 16,000 volts and not arc. And I don't know if you've ever played with even battery cables in air. Like if it's a humid day, you don't have to touch the cables, right? If okay. you get them close enough, the spark will jump through the moisture in the air. That's 12 volts. So imagine holding 16,000 volts across a couple of business cards of thickness. It's just insane what it does. We've been making that for 20-plus years, and there's only two companies in the world that make it. HSI right here in Chickasha, Oklahoma. And then there's another company that makes a comparable product that's owned by the Polish government. So that's it. There, there are no world leaders in that besides HSI right here, just like in Oklahoma, uh, and then another company in Poland. And most of that supply goes to their government. And then they also do sell to some of the same customers we have. So yeah, very unique, and the demand is exploding for that line. I'm sure you have a number of patents have to have some patents, maybe? Or? Patent, we do have had some patents early on. Uh, that patent world, you know, there's always a timeline for that. So that kind of patents run out, um, and someone could look at the product and try to reverse engineer it from buying it and taking measurements. And But it's really in the manufacturing of it, right? It's in the processes, and it's how to do it in high volume, at high quality, maintaining high yields, and product performance. I think there's multiple read switch companies that could build a few in a lab, but it's different when you're going to build a million of them a year and you got to ship them on time and you got to maintain high yields and it has to perform every time over and over. So it really comes down to, to that processing and that knowledge. It's been a couple of years, but uh, HSI recently acquired another company mm-hmm. and uh, built a new, what, 25,000 square yeah. foot facility out there? Yeah, uh, Country Club Road and Norwich Highway, huh? Yeah, super glad to be able to expand in Chickasha. Yeah. Um, love to continue to make a difference in this community, provide more jobs for the people that live here. Um, Janisco Filter, that's the, that's the other business that we own. We bought them, I think this year's actually will be the 10th year, uh, 10th anniversary. They were out in San Diego, stayed out there for the first half of the time, four years or so that we owned them. Um, then we moved into Wisconsin. We had an engineering office up there. We moved into Wisconsin for about three years. And then, yeah, we relocated everything down here to Oklahoma, uh, here in Chickasha, two, this summer will be two years ago. And, yeah, we were able to build a brand-new building, uh, work with CMS Willowbrook, and plan to use half of it and then lease out the other half. And uh, it was just so busy, and they expanded really, really, really quickly that we're just using the whole building right now. Good stuff. We want to talk a little bit, too, about um, you'll, you'll be expanding again soon mm-hmm. through HSI uh, with the new program that was developed by the State Department of Commerce yep. recently. So one of four companies in the area that's going to be able to uh, create some new employment opportunities with this with this proposal. Yeah, absolutely. The It's an OIEP program, so the Oklahoma Innovation Expansion Program, and that's brought to us by the Department, Oklahoma Department of Commerce in partnership with Oklahoma Department of Finance. Um, it's a great program. Uh, there's been there's been state and federal programs around for a long time. A lot of those are based around quality jobs, other incentives, um, things that are but they're were more competitive and also would have a limit of how many awards there were per year typically. Um, also, some other things uh, factors that made it made it harder to get them or um, and leverage some of that. This program is very user friendly. So really very thankful for the state. Uh, for what they're doing, trying to promote business and really put money in the hands of business that are creating the jobs. And it's a very, very streamlined process. And so we're super excited that, uh, yeah, we, we won an award. 
Uh, so, any do we know how many jobs might be able to be created with this? Yes. Yeah, we've that vacuum line we talked about a little bit. Uh, global demand, like I said, has exploded. We are at this last year in 22, we shipped one million of those units. Um, we're at a capacity now to do about one and a half million this year and hope to start 2024. So in January, be running at a two million piece capacity on that product line. We started a third shift about a year and a half ago just for that product line, um, trying to catch up to demand. And it's really driven by medical device. The, the base, it's, a, it's the single most important component in a high voltage relay. So if it's a car, this is the, our switch is the engine. You know, if it's your body, it's basically the heart. It's, it's what takes care of all the work and does all that main process. And then they go into, we sell to relay manufacturers. They're selling these high voltage relays. Really the demand is medical devices. A lot of the surgical devices use high voltage to generate an energy pulse because they're using electric circuits to treat all kinds of stuff, tissue damage, nerve damage, radiation knives to make incisions. Um, so a lot of medical devices, chip manufacturing. So they actually use these high voltage switches in, in the chip manufacturing process. And then a lot of the test equipment that they use to test little, the chips for automotive stuff, the chips for the game consoles, computers, like they have a test set to do all this. They need these switches in there protecting the circuits and electronics and from voltage spikes and other things that happen. So lots of test equipment. And then the EV, electric vehicle market, starting to drive some of these. As they up the voltage in those charge circuits, trying to bring that charge time down, they need a product that can withstand those voltage spikes so it doesn't damage everything in that circuit. And uh, just general electronics manufacturing. So the global demand is well outpaced what we can do. Um, so we're just scrambling to build equipment and hire people and go faster. And so this, this program will allow us to do that. This is the next round. Uh, like I mentioned in the numbers earlier, we've already tripled our capacity in the last two years. We'll by this t January, we'll almost have doubled it again, and we're trying to get to 3 million pieces a year. And like I said, three years ago, we're selling 400,000, 500,000 pieces a year. So maybe 6x is where we're trying to shoot for in how much demand output we've done, and this is going to allow us to kick off that, that next round of equipment development, and that'll lead to, oh, roughly 20 to 25 jobs just from that one expansion. So what type of, kind of qualifications does an employee need? Other than um, the patience and <laughs> yeah, you know, I think uh, you know, I think uh, just you know the nature that want to want to build something, uh, make devices that matter in real world applications, and come be part of a family style. It's still very very uh, family run and oriented. It's a very caring environment. A lot of close knit teams. Um, and then be able to get to work on cool applications. And then we try to have fun. This week is wild week at work. We actually do two success sharing periods a year to where a certain percentage of the profit in a six-month period, we distribute back to the employees. Um, and so this week we're celebrating that. Uh, last The last six-month period, I think we broke a record, highest success sharing we've ever been able to do. Um, then we may break it again this week. But every day this week is it's Wild Week, so every day has a different theme for what you dress up in. I'm not I don't look crazy, but I'm wearing like a Sooner shirt from like 1980 and an old hat. That's what I did for Decade Day. But yeah, there's so we'll dress up every day, and then we'll have a big game for all the departments, and then we'll do a lunch. We got catering coming in. We'll do a lunch in the afternoon. We'll get everybody together in one big meeting. So with HSI 
and Janisco all gathered together. We'll have 220 people in a room, and everybody will be getting pumped up, and Ryan will kind of build it all up, and then we'll release the release that final success sharing number. Uh, it's going to be exciting. It's it's a lot of fun to do what we do, and it's always fun when profit's good and we get to share that with our employees. Right. Zach McGill, Vice President of Engineering at HSI Sensing in our program today. Zach, thanks so much. Yeah, George, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.